0: This is the Self-Help Place podcast, the show that provides real self-help for everyone. Created and hosted by Dan Dyson. Hello everybody and welcome to the Self-Help Place podcast. This is episode 25 and today's episode we're going to be talking about the roadmap to overcoming anxiety Now this is something I have the most experience with, being an anxiety sufferer myself. I was diagnosed with OCD when I was 21 years old. Any regular listeners out there, um, something you know, I mentioned quite a lot in the podcasts already. So it's... After a long time of dealing with this anxiety and going down all the wrong roads and going down the right ones, I've kind of put together a little roadmap into how you can start tackling things like anxiety. And now, this episode is for anybody, really, anyone who suffers from the slightest bit of worry that they find, you know, unnecessary or want to get rid of, to people who are either receiving treatment or they're really, really... um, feeling anxiety quite badly to the point where they're on medication and things like that. So, of course, disclaimer I always mentioned, I am not a mental health professional. Uh, if you do need help or assistance with anxiety and you're feeling it quite bad, go and see a mental health professional. There's, there's no real two ways about it. I mean, if you're not sure, go to the people who are trained to deal with this and they will be able to help you in that. Now, wherever you're listening from, whatever country you're listening from, I do completely appreciate there are different procedures and practices and costs involved uh, in medicine. So my first answer really to how to get get rid of anxiety if it's really bothering you is to go see a professional to help to to get a plan with them to work it out. Otherwise though, if you just want to have a listen to this anyway, or you don't feel it's serious enough for you to get help and just want some tips, this is an episode that will tell you all about that. Okay, so let's just get right into it. So I've set up this roadmap roadmap, in a three-part plan. So part one, preparation, part two, research, and three, action. Now, each of these are just as important as the other, and it's very, very common, and something I'm guilty of. It's very, very common for you to either do one or two of these stages and then not quite do all three, or not pay attention to each one and like as much as the other and the problem is you get you get it kind of half done and then you just go back to old habits so a lot of anxiety from what I've seen and experienced it is based on habit that has developed over time but again what I want you to ignore is the taboo the social taboo around habit you know bad habits and when you think of bad habits you think of things like laying around or picking your nose or something like it's given quite a trivial yet you know lazy bones kind of attitude but you know we we live on habits you know habits are something that we were that we've developed through our existence through living and it's something that it shouldn't be seen as oh i've got a bad habit I need to get rid of some bad habits can be very very serious you know you think of talking things like drug addiction again ignore the taboo on that one because it's you know we We can never really appreciate like addiction and what people have to go through and what they've been through to get to that point, you know, so clear all taboos from your head. Anxiety, a lot of the time comes from habits that have been built unconsciously, doesn't not your fault or anything like that. It's sometimes you might have things in your life that stress you out so much to the point where you develop this underneath and you don't know where it came from. Sometimes it's a biochemistry thing. It needs things like medication, which is not what I'm going to talk about here. Um, but it can it can come from anywhere, really. So that's the first thing to really do is to, is to let go of of that taboo. So if we're going to get into the preparation stage, the very first thing to do is to stop and just be honest with yourself sounds like a bit of a common sense thing but this is very very hard and a lot of the time especially with myself you get through levels of dealing with anxiety where you haven't actually dealt with that yet you know you think you're scared of something or you think you're anxious about something but you it's almost like you're unconsciously ignoring the the real reason you know what the real reason is deep down but you're just kind of ignoring that you're burying your head in your sand and you're disguising your fears as something else uh, to think of an example of that Let's say you say to someone else that you're afraid of making mistakes, either at work or in a relationship. But actually, maybe you're not afraid of making mistakes themselves. You're afraid of how people would see you if you made such and such mistake. And it sounds like the same thing, but those are two very different things. So... And it's it that sounds might sound quite trivial, but it can go way deeper in lots of other examples. When it comes to things like relationship and life itself, and even things like driving a car or flying a plane, like there's a lot of things uh, involved with that one. So try and be as honest with yourself as you can. And the, the tool with this one is to write down what you feel your fears are currently. If you don't really know what your actual fears are, fears are, you might say, "Well, I'm trying to be honest with myself," but I don't know. Start by writing them down. Write down everything that you feel insecure or anxious about, like what's something bad going to happen. Or it can be generalized or well, generalized anxiety, or it can just be something specific that's really nagging you, really. So once you've been honest with yourself about what you're really scared about, or if you've written down what you think you're scared about and you've not quite got to that point yet the next thing to do is to find the common theme within that. So, for example, you might write down things like, I'm afraid of, you know, uh, making mistakes, or I'm afraid of this happening, or I'm afraid that the the oven or kettle's been left on at home, or I'm, I'm afraid of driving to work. Or, anything that You've mentioned you might find a common theme, and, and I'll give you an example of a theme. Very common theme is you fear a loss of control, or you fear how people see you, and these fears can go very, very deep. Like someone with quite bad social anxiety can be can control every little bit of their life, including how they look, to how they act, to how they speak, because they're so afraid of how people will see them. And some of these fears are quite grounded in, you know, human existence, like social fear, apparently back in the, you know, the caveman days, well, the, again, the theory goes that social rejection meant a less, like, less chance of survival. Because if you had to fend for yourself instead of within a group, you were very easily, you know, you could very easily be be killed or, or die that way because you don't have that support of the social structure. So... And I think that can make it very, very powerful. But regardless of what that theme is, you will tend to find there's one or two things in there that you 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 feel that you really worry about. So that's that's what you actually worry about that theme, you know? It's it, it's connecting those dots. And you might think all your fears are to do with going somewhere or with your looks or it might all to do with your performance in whatever circumstance. All these fears kind of connect into one one fear. And it's quite an enlightening process because you actually you might not know what your your theme is and you might say oh well I didn't never consider myself afraid of that but you might just be and again that could be that process of not being fully honest with yourself and not being fully honest with yourself doesn't have to be like oh I'm just going to bury my head in the sand sometimes you get so unconsciously caught up with what your brain's trying to tell you you're actually afraid of and, and hiding be- you know hiding behind this facade that you actually don't really know so it's So that's the point. The point I'm trying to make with the preparation stage is that you have to pinpoint, you don't have to pinpoint where it was in the past, it doesn't matter where it came from, what matters is what the actual fear is. So once you've done that preparation, and it's very important I think actually to write it down. Uh, because it's you can lose track of these things and you can start doubting yourself about it. So write down what it is you're scared of. Find those common themes. So the next thing you're going to do is go into research. So look at the all the fears you have, look at all the themes that are in, and think about what your anxiety might be. And to give you a couple of examples, so your anxiety, you might just be um, the one that your friends or work colleagues would call a warrior, like you're the one who worries all the time or you might be someone who didn't used to worry but all of a sudden are worrying like crazy now and you have to make sure everything's okay in the world before you do that or you might be someone who's always been afraid socially and you just want to break out of that and whatever your circumstance is that's your focus and by having a focus you then have an idea of an end goal At the start, you might have a goal of, well, I don't want to be afraid in public anymore. I don't want to be afraid of making mistakes or driving anymore. You know, you have an end goal. But now I want you to write down who do you see yourself as in five years' time. Now, you get the very common, where do you see yourself in five years' time? What job do you see yourself doing? In reality, there's no real way to predict this, but the point of it is to give you an idea so you can head towards it because, one of the best ways to get yourself... I mean, think about it. Let's say you want a certain trait, like you want more confidence or you want more this. What is the best way to get that? You could fake it, you could look up on it, but nothing beats being around a person who has those qualities. So this step comes in two forms. First, I want you to imagine... Who you want to be in five years. So take all your fears. So let's say you don't feel confident in public, or let's say you're afraid of your decisions or mistakes. Imagine yourself in five years' time. They they've called this, I think there's a part of this called the the cape of no fear exercise where imagine putting a cape on, which as soon as you put the cape on, you feel absolutely no fear whatsoever. What would you do? So, you know, you'd say, Well. I'd be mega confident. I wouldn't worry about anything. I, I would really go out there and you know be social, or I'd really, I I'd just drive all over the place if I was afraid of driving. I, I'd love to be have that freedom because what you're doing here is that you're constructing in your head the benefits of you being that person. You're imagining yourself being that person. And stay with me here because this sounds like a whole load of that you know self help nonsense. Ironically to this podcast, but that again is the point. It's to determine what the real self-help is. And as cringy as some of the self-help might sound, like, imagine the person you're going to be. It works. There's a reason why these things are cliché, is because these are the steps that you take. And surely doing a bit of cringe is worth the end result. If you get, if you know, if, if it's stupid but it works, it's not stupid. So if you ever worry about the cringe of that, just know that for a fact. So get this idea in your head... Also, if you have anybody that you know who has those qualities, then make sure you spend time with them. Now, I might you know you don't have to go on the phone and go hi. I well, I'm actually really insecure in myself right now, and you're not. So can I hang out with you? No, it's I mean, if they're a very very good friend and you trust them, you can sit them down and say, look, I'll be honest, I'm I'm trying to get out of this rut. Like how how are you so this that and the other? You don't have to do that, or you can just. Quite simply, just watch how they do things. You know, you might notice that they just have such a sense of ease about them in situations you find terrifying, and you wonder how that is. And then at the same time, you imagine yourself being not that person, but you imagine yourself being that in yourself. And it might seem a little bit pointless to do that at first, but what you're trying to do is that you're trying to construct a mental model to get to that end point. And that's very, very important because otherwise you kind of get lost in what you're doing and you don't have that focus. So, a quick recap on the focus so far. You're honest with yourself about what you're actually fearing. If you don't know, just write everything you're scared about. Either way, pick the themes, and it might be things like confidence or, yeah, like how you look and all that kind of stuff. Then, what would life be like? if you didn't have that like what imagine yourself in 5 years when you've got rid of all these fears and you, and you're living life like what would you do what could you be capable of like where would you be would you achieve that dream would you get that job you wanted would you be able to just drive around freely sometimes it's as simple as you'll be able to pick up spiders off the walls and it's something i have not been able to do yet to be honest but so uh, that could be your goal like you could live in a country that you know has something that you can't escape, but you're terrified of, and you know that you need to get rid of it. So what I then want you to do is to make a decision to make that. Again, might sound a bit cliche, but what I mean by that is a a direct decision for you to get rid of this fear, that you will not live with this any longer. I'm currently listening to an audiobook, uh, a book by Brandon Webb called uh, Mastering Fear, and it's about an ex-Navy SEAL commander who explains his experience with fear and how he overcomes it. And he says a big part of his training and the Navy... I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but um, it's important here. The Navy SEALs, so one of the most elite groups of soldiers in the world from America... They go through a very infamous training called Buzz training. So I think that's like underwater specialist snipers training or something like that. And they, they go for their, the infamous Hell Week, which is a week-long training where they get hardly any sleep. They're constantly pushed to the limit doing all sorts of exercises for 18-20 hours a day or something ridiculous. And I think only like 10% of the people make it through. And he said the people who made it through are the people who made the decision within themselves that they were going to get through it. Because we make decisions a lot based on what people expect of us. Not really for ourselves, because again, we're too afraid to make those decisions. And it's it's okay, you know, we, we kind of live in that society where everything's kind of watched and scrutinized. But you realize once you get out of that bubble, you realize that there's nothing really to be afraid of. So make that decision that you're not going to live like this anymore. You're not going to be afraid of those people or that thing or that process or what you do. You're going to get out of that. So that's really the end of part one. You have your focus. You have your decision you're going to make. And that takes time. It's not going to be an overnight process. It might take you weeks to months to really know what it is you really want. And you might not know what you want, but you might know what you don't want. And that is the best you can really do. Uh, That's the minimum you can really do. And I think that kind of speaks for itself. So let's move on to stage two. So you've got your preparation. The next thing to do is research. Research, research, research. Find out everything you can about anxiety and how it works. And trust me when I say this, this is going to be quite a good part. And it's going to be quite a relieving part because you're suddenly going to feel like you're not the only one who worries about these things. And you're going to know exactly how... Anxiety works on, uh, you know, when it comes to neuroscience, you know, how the brain connects the amygdala, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is the part of your brain that controls the fight, flight or freeze response. It's normally known as fight or flight, but it's actually the fight, flight or freeze response, which I'll get onto in a moment. Um, And it is just and this is something that you will always be doing. But when you first start, you will make these little revelations in yourself. You'll experience, sorry, these revelations in yourself, and you think, "How did I not know that before? If I known that, like five years ago or twenty years ago, even that would have made that would have made all the, the difference." So research can be done in another in a number of ways. I recommend very high caution with internet and internet forums because a lot of people. Well, they may know what they're talking about, but they might offer advice that might not be anywhere near suited to you. Everyone has their way of doing things, you know. Some people can just go fully brash into like solving their fears, and at that point, that's that's basically the letting go part, which is something everyone gets to. But you might have someone who is able to go into it quickly, but that the the advice of go straight, dive in head first, and like run out of your comfort zone as fast as you can is not good advice for actually most people. It depends on your personality, it depends on who you are and how to change things. You you sometimes just have to take those steps to get to that point and that is absolutely fine. That does not mean uh time and like steps make no difference here. It's very, very common for human beings, and I see this a lot actually in the in the gym we always try and think, you know, we always try to put like an ego or worth around how little steps we can take to improve. And it's very bad to do this. Like you see people who start the gym for the first time and they're trying to lift that huge weight because they just want to, they put their worth and their ego around how big the weights are. But really anyone who, who you know, is worth their, their soul, I don't know if that's the right expression, but anyone who knows their worth, Uh, knows that you have to start on the small weights you start on the five kilograms or 2.5 kilograms and you build up from there you you build that strength and that is the best way to do it because that avoids injury make sure you got proper form and technique and these things take time and it's very easy to be impatient but at the end of the day that's what's going to get you the results so that's the thing Be careful on internet forums about what people say. Everyone has a different way of doing things. Again, this is where the professional help comes in. You'll be able to actually have someone, a counsellor or psychotherapist or a psychologist or what have you, find a path that's right for you and you can sort of work with them to do that. But otherwise, if you're doing self-help, hence this podcast, then... I recommend two books that really helped me. I'll mention those now. First one is Rewire Your Anxious Brain, and that's written by two scientists, Catherine M. Pittman and Elizabeth M. Carl. So this is actually... I'll put a link to this in the description so you'll see it there. This is actually the found that was the grounding book for me, because it not only tells you about anxiety it tells you how it works it tells you the part of the brains it the con- part of the brain it connects to it. it it explains how it works it talks about the fight or flight the fight or flight response now i mentioned earlier that it's actually the fight flight or freeze response and that's true because have you ever noticed sometimes you've been so scared of something You've kind of frozen. You didn't know what to do. And you don't have to physically freeze, but your brain just doesn't know what to do. Like so- suddenly someone's hit by a car out of nowhere and everyone's pleading for help. And you need to call an ambulance or something. And then you find yourself frozen and you've suddenly forgot everything about first aid. You've forgotten what to do and you feel terribly ashamed of you- yourself because you think, why didn't I help? That's the fight, flight or freeze response. That was the freeze response you just experienced. It was. It's when your brain kind of just stops and he goes, something bad is happening, so I'm going to stop to protect myself. And the key thing you realise about anxiety, and this is, again, a groundbreaking moment, is when you realise that your anxiety or your overriding anxiety is your false sense of your brain trying to protect itself. And that is all it is. It's very, very complicated. Of course, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I don't know the full ins and outs of it. But really, what you need to know to deal with The Simpsons you have right now is that it is quite simply a protective mechanism. Also, a little secret. This is something I didn't find out till later, but it changed the perspective. And I'll tell you this now. Not only is it a protection mechanism, but the actual regular annoying anxiety that bogs you down is actually part of a small addiction you have and addiction to what? Addiction to the sense that everything is okay. That feeling of relief, that feeling that everything's fine, I'm secure and that is completely okay and again Ignore that taboo of addiction because it doesn't help. You know, don't you? Don't see yourself as like someone addicted to cocaine or heroin. Addictions are a part of the of human life. We all have little mini addictions. It comes anything as a morning coffee to full blown heroin addiction that's been going on for years. Of course, there is a totally different degree of addiction here, but it's still the same thing. There's still addiction in there. There's still something that you need to have, and you're very, very uncomfortable and get these symptoms unless you get it. And that was my problem. I started getting addicted to things like security and everything was going to be fine and nothing bad was going to happen. And it got so, the feelings of that were so good within me that unconsciously, i didn't even know this was happening but it got to the point where if everything if i didn't know something was going to be okay if i made a mistake and they say well we'll see what happens with that and this happens normally but for me it was over exaggerated to the point of it being trivial I, it was it was almost like i couldn't sleep or eat until i found out everything was going to be okay. And that's what it can get to in certain people of, you know, certain envir- in certain environments. And if it's been left long enough and left to breed and, and uh, develop long enough, that's what it can come to. So that's a very, very important thing to remember. Anxiety is also that feeling of addiction to, or the withdrawal symptoms of that addiction to everything being certain and everything being okay. Now, there's an obvious problem with that. And what's the problem with that? Life isn't certain. There is no such thing as certainty. And it's a hard truth to face at first. You know, we we go into these kind of, oh, I want to go into this industry because it's more secure and there's job security and things like that, which may very well be true. I'm currently trying to get into the tech industry uh, because it's something that, you know, I, I feel I'm getting better at, and it's something that I know has better job security than what I've been doing before. However, in reality, there is no such thing as security. You have to Always be willing to adapt and change. And again, the key is adapting. And when anxiety is constantly in you, it, it it blocks all those all those talents you have to adapt, to naturally adapt to situations around you. And that's the problem because you, you so want everything to be okay all the time. And what you don't realize is if everything was okay all the time, it would just be, it, it, that's also a terrible situation because think about this, what's scarier? Not knowing what's going to happen or knowing every single thing that's going to happen to you for the rest of your life. And really take a moment to think about that, because if you're listening to this now and you do struggle with anxiety, all you want is a bit of peace, you know? But imagine the rest of your life is perfectly planned out, everyone you meet, everyone you will see, everything that's going to happen to you, you knew everything. That is scarier, because there is absolutely no excitement there there is nothing there's there's just everything's just becomes molded into one and you just know what's going to happen so that's another thing to consider so really have that sense of knowing what anxiety is about. So if that's one book I recommend, The Rewire Your Anxious Brain, because that will tell you how it works in your brain. Just bear in mind from my experience, and it's something I've read a number of times as well, that anxiety does have that element of addiction to everything being certain. So lose your addiction to certainty. And uh, again, be careful with the word addiction. Just avoid that taboo of being an addict or something like that. It's it's very normal part of, you know, the human brain. Uh, and it's just something when you just need to regulate and balance. The second book I want to recommend is something you can read at the same time. It's a book by the uh, famous author Susan Jeffers, and it's called How to Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And that book is exactly as it sounds – it's it's basically learning to do everything you want to do while still feeling that fear. Don't let the fear stop you doing that. Now, sometimes fear can be so strong within you, or anxiety, more accurately, can be so strong within you, it can actually, you know, incapacitate you to the point you can't do those things. And the problem with that is uh, anxiety becomes self-sustaining because let's say you're afraid of driving. You, you, your partner or parent or, or somebody asked you to go to the local supermarket and pick up something for them. You'll terrify the driving. So what you do, you make an excuse. Oh, sorry, no, I, I actually don't drive or this, that and the other. Or, or you make something to get out of it. Now, what you're, what you're telling your brain, and this is the inner brain, which I'll come on to in a moment, is, oh, I sense danger. I avoided the danger. That must have been a real fear. Let's reinforce it to make sure it definitely doesn't happen again. So you see what happens is it reinforces the fear. So you're even more afraid of driving and you haven't even set foot in a car. So it has to be tackled. Anxiety is hard to deal with because you have to tackle it. And it's hard to tackle head on. And this is why, again, therapy helps. This is why getting the research done, which is exactly what I'm talking about here, Knowing anxiety for what it is. You have to know this monster for what it is. Otherwise, you start giving into it. You start thinking, well, actually, maybe it is right, you know? And I think the final part of my research preparation before we get into action um, was having some kind of goal in place and plan in place. So to introduce that, there's, there's a little concept or mental model I want you to imagine. So you have like an outer brain and an inner brain. Now this is not based on any kind of science, don't worry, this is just a mental model because this really helps you to understand how anxiety is overcome. So your inner brain, your outer brain is you. Everything you do, all your things you think and all the little anxieties you have and your inner brain is that thing that's taking the controls It has to protect you and it will not listen to anything you say, you must prove a point. To your inner brain in order for it to change things your inner brain has the power to change fears and hopes and dreams and anxieties. it's very very powerful now it's like the king in there and your outer brain which is you are going to this king saying look i'm really i really don't want to be scared of this anymore i really don't want to be afraid of this now your inner brain goes okay great but you know everything that i've seen and encountered and everything you've been telling me before has told me that this is something that's a danger so this is something that I need to hang on to So let's make a plan to get rid of that you need to convince your inner brain that actually it's fine this is what you'll find in therapy when you go to therapy and you are deathly afraid of something and it can be anything from driving to social interaction or making mistakes what the what the therapist will tell you is no no ignore it it's not real they'll go okay. Let's test the theory, and if, when you first hear that, you think, "What? Hang on a minute! You can't. We can't be testing that. We can't be testing fears." And a very, a very kind of common case of that in people with OCD is something called magic thinking. This is something we actually all do. You know, it, it can come from superstitions in the olden days, like walking under a ladder and things like that. The fact is, if we think or do a certain thing, something bad will happen, and it's a very very unhealthy habit. Beware of this habit, because it can build. So, someone with OCD might have intrusive thoughts of things, some horrible things happening to somebody. And again, this is quite, it's very, very normal to have odd fears. It's very normal, actually, to have, to see someone random on the street, and you just have this weird imagining thoughts of killing them. Now, if someone said that to you, you'd probably think, oh my days, we've got a psycho here. But that's actually what human brains do normally. We have these Brains, these minds that just play with thoughts, and they like to just throw things out there for you. Oh, what if you just you stand, you know, in a like a twenty-five-story building, and you go to the top, and you go, oh I wonder what it would be like to fall and jump off here. I wonder how hard I hit the floor, and I wonder where my head would roll." Like you have these weird thoughts, and if you take them too seriously, you start to think you're this horrible mad person. But it's actually the human brain just playing around. It sometimes just likes to play. Now, your brain, your inner brain knows this, but it still, it, it believes. If you tell something into your inner brain long enough, like, oh, if I do this, this happens, it will start to believe it and it will start treating it as danger. And that's what it comes down to. It's all about danger. Your mind is constantly, naturally, and this is something you'll read about if you if you look into the research or the books I suggested, your mind is constantly scanning for danger in the environment. And any sign of danger, it creates this this response. What is the fight or flight response? It's the response you get to any perceived threat or any perceived danger. So, and what are the symptoms? You might, your heart, your heartbeat goes faster, um, you're, you, you sweat, you have increased adrenaline, shortness of breath, things like that. You know, you know the fear feeling. I think every single human being at some point has been through that, and it's a panic. And anxiety is kind of a strange version of that, and you kind of have this constant perceived threat and it comes from the formulation of thoughts over a long period of time that have led almost unconsciously you can't, can't remember how you got to that point where you're constantly worrying about something terrible is going to happen you'll wake up in the morning something bad is going to happen so I'm going to be afraid you go to bed at night something bad is going to happen but then that's when it starts turning into anxiety or oh, if I just did this then that would make me feel better or if I did this then maybe that bad thing won't happen you see and it just gets caught up so in therapy what they do is they go okay well let's take that theory so let's take if i don't know like, let me just think of an example here so let's say on the magic thinking side like oh you know i'm I'm afraid that what i think about somebody will actually happen to them down the road which is actually very common in people with ocd as i have mentioned um and the therapist might go right okay i want you to imagine all the bad things happening to me the therapist and everything i want you to spend and literally you sat you sit there for like 60 seconds and you imagine all these awful things happening in therapist and you feel weird about it and they say right i want you to come back in a week's time and we'll see what happens and the weird thing about this is cuz in in your kind of both inner and outer brain you think well actually something could bad could happen and you know it it could it it could be my fault or because I thought these things, or maybe it's not because that happened, but I'm going to feel that anyway. So all these things start coming in your head. So you do it, and then a week later, you go back and the therapist is absolutely fine. And he's like, so what did you learn? That's the moment, right there. That's the evidence that your inner brain needs to go, wow, that's not a fear. That, sorry, that's not a real danger. Right, let's change that around. And I mentioned the story in a previous episode, personal to me. I'll give you another example of this. It's very, very important this point. Because this is this is the moment you get rid of anxiety or anxiety, or you start to reduce them. It's breakthrough moments. So I had this fear. I used to work in an office where I had to deal with a lot of um, sort of sensitive data. So there was things like non-disclosure agreements and contracts we have to sign, and of course, and naturally, if you're dealing with people's sensitive information, it makes perfect sense, of course. Now. My problem was having anxiety is that I had an overinflated sense of responsibility. I was constantly worried that I would accidentally do something. I would accidentally leave a computer on. I'd accidentally drop a piece of paper that I've accidentally got stuck to me at work, and someone accidentally finds it, and etc. 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 And this got and at first the, the thought came as you know, like I mentioned, your mind likes to play around. the The thought came to me, and I just thought oh, that's ridiculous. You know, it was it was laughable. But then the thought came again and again and I, I I, just took everything in my mind seriously. And I thought, oh, well, I'm actually scared about this. Like it could happen because your mind gets a bit obsessed with it. Because if you develop that habit of obsessing over something that's scary, that's it. It just gets increased. You feed it and then, and then that's it. You've had it, you know, and that's exactly what I did. And it got to the point where I, I was trying to walk home, a two minute walk home from work. It took me like 30 minutes because I was constantly checking behind me, making sure I hadn't dropped anything. And I knew what I was doing was ridiculous, but I couldn't stop because the anxiety was so big that I knew I'd get home and I just wouldn't be able to concentrate on anything. It's a horrible, horrible thing to go through. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So what happened was I got therapy for this because I made that decision on the fact that I, well, my totally personal decision. I thought I needed, 100% needed it because I had OCD and my life was just becoming harder to live. And I was just I just wasn't myself anymore. So I got to therapy and I explained one of these and she was like, right, okay, uh, next time you need to take sensitive information out of the office, uh, we'll book an appointment in for them, we'll book a therapy session for them and then we will we'll, we will try and solve this. So every, I think like twice a month I would go out with a briefcase to meet clients face-to-face in different locations and that briefcase will be full of their information to do the meeting, of course, to, 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 to sort that out. Now, this briefcase was a point of fear for me because, again, if I was careless with this briefcase in any way and something fell out, you know, one, even just one piece of paper, there's enough on there for, you know, there's enough sensitive, sensitive information on there for it to be a data breach, a confidentiality breach, which is a very, very serious deal, of course. But the fact is, my main fear, which I tracked from, from the technique at the start of this episode, that my main theme of worry was Something dreadful happening because of a minor mistake I would make. It was like an over overinflated sense of responsibility. So anyway, so I brought my briefcase to the therapy session on the day I was due to go, and she took me to a nearby field. It was quite an open place. This therapy center, and I've explained this story before, but I'm making to make this point because it's so important. She made me open the briefcase, and she went right. I want you to throw the papers everywhere, all over this field. I couldn't believe what she was saying. I was like, really? Like, but, like, that's that's outrageous. What if it flies away or something? I mean, it was a non-windy day, but anyway. So she asked me to throw it out, so I did. I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll trust it. I'll trust the process. Threw the papers everywhere. They scattered all over this green field, and she was like, right, I want you to just, you know, we had, like, a talk for two minutes about it, and she was like, right, now I want you to quickly get the papers back into the briefcase, close it, get in your car, go home, and I do not want you to check that briefcase until you are at your first meeting the next day. This was terrifying because, again, someone who'd built an anxiety habit of constantly checking back, again, referring to the, the feeling of everything was going to be okay and everything was fine, that addiction feeling, I wanted to make sure everything was fine. I was so used to doing that. So the fact that I was deprived of doing that it was a very hard evening. I was so tempted to check this briefcase. I just want everything to be fine. I needed my fix, so to speak. And I was just like, oh, I can't do this. Can't do this. You know, the night came. It was hard to sleep. I was like, I know there's something not going to be in there. And that, what if that, again, you'll hear what is in your head. What if that paper flies away and it goes to a nearby house who happens to be a reporter, who happens to know who I am, who happens to report it. And as ridiculous as it might sound to anyone listening to this, that's actually something that goes to your head as real and concrete. You know, there's fears that are real. Next day, I woke up, grabbed the briefcase, resisted all attempts to kind of, you know, check. So I drove with it in the back seat of my car to this meeting. I think it was about two hours away. And I remember just constantly checking my, you know, my rear view mirror, that briefcase thinking, oh, if I just check now, all this fear will be over. But I resisted. And it, again, this is what you need to do. Got to my first meeting opened the briefcase, looked at all the papers, everything was there, everything was fine. That was the inner brain moment. Because what you've done, I proved to this inner part of my brain, the reality part of my brain, that, oh, so this fear that you've been having this whole night and day has been based on nothing. And I can see now that it's been based on nothing. Right, I'm going to let go of that. And there was this overwhelming sense of not just relief that they were there. I, it's almost like I didn't care about that anymore. The fact was that I felt this kind of letting go process. I knew there was nothing... You know, I was fine. I could trust my decision. And again, a theme in... In in fact, I would say this was the number one thing I found in all my fears was that I didn't trust myself. I felt like I needed to constantly watch everything I did in order to do anything right. And it was at that moment, you know, because remember when I was... um I was doing the exercise of throwing the papers out in the field and picking them up. I was doing it quickly. I had no chance to check, but I realised that actually I don't make mistakes all the time. I am. I I do know what I'm doing. I can do it, and this weight just came off my so shoulders. I finally realised I could. I could trust myself in these things, and what the therapist was doing was she knew that I had to prove. T- Prove to my brain that this was not a real fear. It was an overinflated fear. And the the best part about that was if the worst thing did happen, it's yeah, of course, it's it's a problem, but it wouldn't have been half as bad of the feeling of anxiety. And this is something gonna come on to in doing. So that was an example of how you prepare. In therapy, for example, you resist. You resist your Compulsions, especially with obsession, obsessive compulsive disorder, and the therapy I was doing was uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. So it was changing the way you think and resisting habits and things like that, resisting compulsions. It was a plan and it was something that she was doing gradually. There was no mention in therapy of what my past was or how do you think anxiety came about. There was just the doing of getting rid of the symptoms, which brings me to part three doing action. And this As much as the others are just important, this is actually the thing that gets you out. And action is just what I mentioned. The story I mentioned about me going to my therapist and doing this and doing these paper thing and realizing you have to challenge every fear you have. And that is hard to do. And this is why therapy is a good option, because it just gives you that assistance to do it. But you have to challenge the fears and you start small and you build yourself up. So let's give an example then. social, Like social fear. Social anxiety. So you might be terrified, like be sweating to the palms of everything, of being out in a group of people and feeling like you're being judged. It's a terrible fear. Everyone has bits and pieces of social anxiety, but real social anxiety is crippling. So how do you start? So you find out what the... I mean, in therapy, how it works is that you write down situations and you rate them 1 to 10 and how scary they are. So 10 being the absolute worst anxiety you can imagine. 1 being, it's pretty scary, but I can handle it. So again if it helps for you I'd recommend you write down scenarios that you find very like would trigger anxiety and rate them from like worst to least get the least so get the things you can you can physically feel will be scary and you don't want to do them but you feel you can do start with them and that might be something like everyone you walk past in the street like if you're walking a dog or something you just say hello and they say hello or and then after that you can upgrade to say like Let's say you pretend, and it sounds silly, but honestly, this works. You let's say you've forgotten your phone on a walk, like pretend, and you go to someone. And you go, "Excuse me, sorry, I forgot my phone. Could you tell me the time, please?" And they just tell you the time. And every single day, just do that something, and just make that little bit of progress toward not being afraid anymore. And it, you, you, it might be a specific like person or type of people, or you know, like um gender or sex of people that you might be afraid to talk to like uh like you might be afraid of talking to girls or talking to boys or men or women so you just find what you're afraid of and you start making these little tiny micro interactions with them and even if you can't manage a hello sometimes when you're trying to like get past them you just go sorry like just just simple as that and you build it up you don't have to be weird about it you don't have to purposely land yourself in situations you don't have to go to the supermarket and knock tins of beans over and go oh i'm sorry i didn't see you there i feel so much better about my anxiety that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about just small steps to get you better and it is scary and it is so so difficult but you must do it and it is hard and if you have any supportive friends and family that can help you with this confide in them it always helps to have someone you can talk or chat with but again anxi- anxiety to me is like that it's like a really undisciplined child that throws temper tantrums all the time what happens to a spoiled child when you keep attending to them if they i always think of eric cartman on south park you know his mom just does whatever um and just deals with it but uh yeah what, what happens if you if you attend to a spoiled child whenever they have a tantrum if you te- they they know it works and it's the same brain process. Ah, okay, that works. If I cry or, or scream or shout, I get what I want. So how do you deal with that? You don't give it what it wants. You put them on the naughty step until they calm down. And it sounds so tr- like elemental, I guess. But, but sorry, elemental. Um, so yeah, it sounds so childish. Like it sounds patronizing to me to compare your mind to a child on a naughty step. But that's what it is. That's actually how it works. You and some you see you see some babies. They will cry just for the sake of crying. Some, some, Sometimes they cry because they need changing or they cry because they need feeding or they just, they just, you know, they just cry. And that's the thing. And, and if they just cry, you leave them and then they just get bored and stop. And that's kind of the same thing how you got to see your mind. You know, y- your mind will make a fuss because it's scared, but you take the reins and you just go, I'm going to deal with it. And it's so hard. You'll s- sweat, you will get shakes and shortness of breath, but you just go through it because every time you go through it, you convince yourself that little bit m- much more that it's not as scary. So social anxiety, you start by saying sorry. You start by saying, and you think, okay, that wasn't as scary. Then you go say hello. Sometimes you get a response, sometimes you don't. And the good parts is when if you say things like hello and they just totally ignore you, it's really not that bad, actually. And this is a thing you realise by doing, is that you realise that your fear of a situation is worse than the worst-case scenario happening. Like, it feels worse. Yes, of course, things like losing a job or losing a partner is awful, but it's almost like the not knowing. The anxiety feels worse than the actual situation. So really, some you really learn that when you do things, you know? So, again, sorry turns into hello, hello turns into excuse me, what's the time? Then you get to the point where you start striking up a conversation with someone, you know, or, and then you get to a point where you can even approach someone in a bar or something like that. And that is how you do it. And again, You've got to pinpoint what the fear is. Like You might just have an overwhelming fear of rejection when it comes to social anxiety. You might have had experiences in your past that led you to do that. But remember, the past isn't important. What's important is the symptoms you have and how you deal with them. So you must do. You can do all the research and preparation you like, but if you do not go ahead and do the thing you need to do, you will never get through it. You have to prove to that inner brain uh, that it's worth switching off the fear. And that's what I never understood about anxiety before when I first started looking into it was I couldn't stop worrying. I was telling my mind. I knew in my head there was no need to worry. But this inner brain was going, no, I'm still going to keep the fear because you could be in danger here, mate. So I'm going to keep this fear until I know that there's no danger. So you're convincing your mind that there's no fear around that and that's how it worked for me in my therapy and then in self-help when I eventually came back around to it a lot of research I did I finally got to that point where I was just facing it and again it is not easy thing to do but if you do it think about it what's scarier than facing those things the thing that's scarier than facing those things is being stuck in fear for the rest of your life being stuck and again I, I will close this section by telling you what I heard from a friend of mine's mum. Actually, I was in a coffee shop one day and they they kind of wandered over because they were in the shop and they just wanted to talk to me for a bit. And of course, you know, whatever. (laughs) But um, they were talking about all the scary things that were happening in the newspaper, like plane crashes and tornadoes and tsunamis. And I, I wasn't really listening too much because I was just reading a book or something. I can't remember what I was doing. But then one of them said something that stuck with me and actually was the key for me to finding the right self-help to get rid of this. She said, in just a passing manner, oh wow, so much, so many things in the world. You know, you'd think if we worried about everything, you'd never leave your house, would you? And honestly, that really struck me. I thought, that's exactly it. That's the key. If you realise, if you don't tackle these fears, if you do not face fears right in the face, you will never leave your house and sadly things like agoraphobia it's a real thing some people do not leave their houses and like you know heart my heart goes out to them because that is terrible to place to be and they don't want to do that but they're so crippled by their anxieties and things like depression that they can't they can't leave that but i think that is the thing you've got to go with if you were scared of pretty much everything you would never leave your house and what kind of life is that so in conclusion of today's episode that is how you overcome anxiety and that process takes time it can t- it takes weeks to months to years and in some cases in probably most cases you are constantly challenging that for all your days and that's not don't take that as a gloomy thing because actually you deal with most of the main symptoms quite well once you first start, get into, start getting into it the rest is just maintenance you know anyone at any time doesn't matter if you're prone to anxiety or not can fall kind of prey to their brains to their anxieties. you've got to keep that balance you've got to keep your strength up you've got to keep uh, these things up if you let yourself go mentally physically you're in a world of pain basically physically and mentally so let's do a recap then so very first thing to do just write, if you, even if you have no idea what the heck is going on in your brain, even if you don't know what you're afraid about, and that's a very common symptom of anxiety, you can sometimes just be afraid or feel scared without knowing why. Just write down those, scary, those situations that you find scary. Or if you cannot even start there, just write down exactly how you're feeling because eventually something stands out at you. So just write down everything. Find the common theme. Just be honest with yourself. It's okay. You don't have to share this. You can just be honest. You know, if you have insecurities write them down you don't want us to see them just be honest with yourself at absolute minimum level and in fact that can even be the maximum just make sure you are aware of honestly what you're scared about find those themes whether it be insecurity or social anxiety or judgment or things like or looks or anything like that and then make research research it i mean sometimes it might even be the case where it's not bec- it's not that you have anxiety this is very common you might just be in a situation you don't like you know you might start feeling really bad symptoms of anxiety and you're stressed because you got a lot of work on at work then you might discover actually you might go to a therapist and you find that it doesn't like you don't need it or you feel you don't need it because you know more importantly you know because it's your work situation you have a toxic work environment or you live with a toxic partner or toxic friends and that's what you need to cut out. You see, so it doesn't have to be a chronic condition or anything, but it's more than possible. You think you have anxiety, but actually, you're just surrounded by <laughs> hmm people that you could probably be better off without, should I say? Uh, or workplaces you could be better off going somewhere else. So, so that that's this is what I mean. It unfolds as you do it. So that's the research research part. You you look into it. If you find it is just who you like if it is symptoms of who you are it's not who you are of course it's nothing to do with your personality really but it's if you find that it's it's nothing to do with your external circumstances then that's when you need to go okay let's do research so read up upon it i recommend those two books i've mentioned which is rewire your anxious brain and how to feel the fear and do it anyway i will link a description to, um in the description sorry i will link to those books uh very very highly recommended uh, i think there's audio books as well so you can have a look on things like um audible um find a plan that works for you so research the heck out of it and make a plan to to really tackle those fears you know and again you might be done with the anxiety at this point because suddenly you realize how anxiety works and remember anxiety is all about this false sense of scanning for danger why is anxiety a thing why do we feel anxiety? It's to protect us from danger, but most of the time, we're not in survival mode anymore. Most of the time, we live pretty comfortable lives in pretty healthy societies, but we still worry. We have that overreactive worry. So it's about tackling and convincing your mind that look, there's no real danger here. So just, just, just stop. So and you have to tackle it directly. So research it. Know what the brain's all about. Know how anxiety works. You know, in your brain. Know why it's there properly and read up about your, if you found like social anxiety, there's plenty of really good books on social anxiety you can look up and things like that. Do your research to and do know as much as possible because anxiety can catch you out. Symptoms of anxiety can appear in other forms. Like for example, oh you know I don't want to do this because I feel like, well not I fear but um, I feel like we won't have time for this or something else. You'll start finding you make excuses for your fear, and it's very common to do. I remember when I was a kid, I used to say, "Oh, I don't want to go on that roller coaster because, you know, it's that time of year. I start feeling a bit sick and things like that." And which is obviously just, you know, everyone saw right through it and saw exactly I was making excuses. But sometimes you can't really spot the excuses. But but if you, it takes time. Ground an awareness in yourself. That's something I forgot to mention, actually. All through this process, you should also always be paying attention. And to help with that, I seriously recommend meditation because that helps you just get an awareness of the present of what's going on without diving into it so much. And that helps because think of, think of um, your awareness and your probing into your mind for anxiety like a knife. That's, at first, it starts off as like a, a typical dinner, dinner table knife. It's really blunt. The more you meditate and the more you train your awareness to looking deeper and for longer, the more you kind of sharpen that knife. And then that sharp knife can penetrate deeper and further into the substance of your brain, basically, or your mind. Uh, and And that's a tool that you can use. But keep aware of that. Get to know your fear. Find help all the way through this if you need it get those common themes, make that plan, start looking at facing your fears, whether you use help or you use a self-help guide. In a lot of these, a lot of the books you get nowadays, you do have a guide to help you tackle those. Plan and research and then do it. Whatever you do, just do it. Do something. Do something as minimal as, you know, saying hello to someone in a supermarket or doing a task without asking anyone any questions and press submit, you know, and just just do it. And, it's, and if you struggle to do anything, that's when you need to seek professional help because they are the ones that will help you tackle that and give you the support you need. So just keep tackling away, keep etching away at it. It took me a good, you know, it. it the, the main sense of anxiety went in the first eight months for me. Eight months, it takes time. It takes daily practice, it takes time. You have to override these things, but once you do it, you have the rest of your life ahead of you. at And you know what, even if you have five years left, even if you have one year left, they will be greater than the years you spent worrying. So just do it. Just get on it, get the help you need, and just make that difference for yourself. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. That was the roadmap to overcoming anxiety. Uh, It's been five years since I... Well, the, the process of me dealing with anxiety took a good five years before I got to a level where I was happy remember at the start of the episode I mentioned imagine the person you want to be and the reason why I told you to do that is because you actually find you naturally sit into that that person and that's what I wanted to be more confident I wanted to be in better shape I wanted to do all sorts of things and I wanted to just not fear the things I normally do And over time, the more I focused on who I wanted to be, the more I started hanging out with people who had those traits, the more it became grounded in myself. So bear that in mind when you're doing all this as well. Again, thank you for listening. Um, If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe on the website, theselfhelpplace.com. You'll have a top box and you'll have a pop-up box that comes up. If you subscribe to that, I'll send you an episode every week uh, from this podcast to your delight I uh, couldn't do one last week sadly because I was a little bit too um, committed with something else but I'll try and keep these going as much as I can it's my birthday coming up soon so I may take a bit of time off but uh, otherwise I'll try and get something recorded for you to listen to it so until next Saturday thanks very much and bye-bye thank you for tuning in please visit the website theselfhelpplace.com for more information